Last time I was here, <clears throat> I was sharing about a time when my life changed. I was in um, Alaska working with a church, and, and um, uh, they were in the middle of a revival, and I mean real revival. It was just uh, a, a revival where things changed the, the, the principality. And, and I, I um, had somebody lay hands on me and pray for me, and I didn't feel anything, but two mornings later, I woke up in the middle of, of 4.30 in the morning, and uh, I woke up to a presence <clears throat> that I had never felt before. Um, we just sang, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Let your love surround us. That would be a good way of being able to explain what was happening to me in the next hour as I woke up, got out of bed, because the, 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 the love in the room was so intense that all I could do was boom, and got out, rolled on the floor, just loving and being loved. I, I referred to the time as just swimming in liquid love, and my life absolutely changed from that moment on in a way that being able to, in being in the ministry, get into people's lives, it became easy, and it wasn't just in the classroom. I work with YWAM but also um, on the streets, in churches, uh, on airplanes, uh, in restaurants, and so forth, just that all of a sudden there, there, there was something that went from Jerry, nice guy, to another guy. It, it just like, um, what was that term in Star Trek? Warp speed. <laughs> it just took off. You know, where you see the, the, the spaceship Enterprise, and there it is, and all of a sudden, whew, that's what happened to me that day. And, and uh, I, I told a few stories in the first service, and I'll be telling, actually, I feel to tell different stories in this one. I'm sitting down there, and it may even be a little bit of a different message in some ways, uh, because I want to be, I'm, I'm constantly preparing a message. I, uh, you know, I, I, I drive the, the, the media guys nuts, because uh, I'll give them scriptures, and and then I'm not using them, or, or I'll use something else and so forth. But I'm going to try to stay as close as I can because the core of the message is I, I want you to get, but there's takeaways from, from every story. Um, and it's important that we share. I want to share stories today. Uh, in in, in homiletics, homiletics class uh, in, in Bible school, uh, you're taught to be able to put together, you know, a message, and, and you start with scripture, and you open it up, and you talk about that, and then you bring a little bit of teaching, and, and illustration, and stories, whatever you have, and, and, uh, and I got to tell you that from that day in, in 1993 in Anchorage, Alaska, the stories started happening. I'd say 95% of the stories that I would even have to share came from that time on, and I have hundreds of stories uh, of just God just using a vessel. I, I, it was like a personal revival that hit me, and I, I use that term because we're praying for an awakening, uh, awakening in America that if it doesn't happen, we're dead, that uh, God obviously, his kingdom can move uh, with or without America. Uh, and actually, the more adverse the times, the, the, it's just like the, the greater the multiplication in the kingdom of God. And, and so, you know, but we, it's still wonderful to be able to live in this freedom, and I don't take it for granted. But persecution doesn't worry me, because once you're dead, you're dead. Do you understand that? Uh, some of you don't like that. Uh, um, I'll start with the scripture. The, the title of this is called, uh, We Have This Treasure. And I take it from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. For Paul says, For God, who said, Let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ, but we have this treasure in jars of clay that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I heard um, a man 
preached on this about 40 some odd years ago and he said if Paul were to use that term today he would say instead of jars of clay he would say we have this treasure in throwaway cups because that's really what we are the um, the, uh, I want to go back to this whole thing of revival that I'm using my life to be able to say I believe what happened to me was a picture and it wasn't just to me it was it, it, I know a lot of people that that use the term liquid love now because they talk about the exact same experience of, of and and I and I believe that if I were to be able to say God would you just bring that 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 liquid love into this room right now I would stop speaking you would want me to sp- stop speaking and if I did keep speaking you would tell me to shut up because it's so amazing. It gave me a reference point for heaven that we've got something to look forward to. I, I want to use a few stories. Um, I wanna, I, I'll stay with this story because it's so cool and you'll understand why. I was working in a, Linda and I were both working in, a, in some churches over in Longview, Kelso area, Washington. And uh, we were there for several years, actually, with, with different churches and coming in and out, got to know the little horizon up and downs very, very well. And, and, um, and, and, and we were doing these, these workshops uh, called Plumb Line, and, and you could do no more than 15 or 16 people because uh, it'd take a day to pray for people after the teaching. And, and boy, I've got to tell you, you, you just, you, you, those 15, 16 people will fill the day and sometimes even into the night because it takes time to be able to offload the stuff that's in our lives. And uh, in this church, and it was a growing church, it wasn't very old, there was a few hundred people in it. They, um, there, there was a man who was a policeman in, uh, there and, and he uh, had moved into unfaithfulness uh, with his, uh, away from his wife with another woman and, and it became kind of one of the things of the church where the, the, the entire church would pray for this marriage and she's an amazing woman of God. Uh, she, uh, intercessor, homeschooler, uh, wrote books for homeschooling, as a matter of fact, and incredible woman of God, but she just, just still believed, and then he would come home, sorry, and so forth, and then, man, the power of this addiction just would, and he would go off and take off, and, and, and there would be hope that, that he would, dad's home now, and all of a sudden, dad's gone, and, and the, the Bible talks about, in Proverbs, about hope being deferred. It makes the heart sick. And this, this family was at the point of being sick. And, and will dad ever come home? And, and so somehow they managed to get him into one of our, our plumb line workshops. And, uh, and, and I mean, it was amazing. He even came. And, and uh, so after, we have this day of praying for people. And, and as I say, and he, after about two or three people, he came forward and, and, he, and he sat down in, in the chair. And, and I'm alongside of him and, and he just uh, starts telling a story and he was opening up, confessing to the group and, and, and just asking forgiveness from the people in the group. They all knew the story. I didn't know anything, of course. And, and, uh, and, and then he stopped when he finished and he was just, just broken, a broken man. And the only thing I could say was I said, well, you know, you're, you're, you're in a perfect place to recognize you need a redeemer, Right? He goes, yeah, that's right. I said, uh, you want to do it today? Yeah, I do. And I was able to very easily lead him to Christ, which was a beautiful thing in itself, but the, uh, a real beautiful thing was when his wife, and a few moments later, came face to face, and they're right in front of each other. And with, I mean, not just tears, but the guy's a mess, just weeping and begging her forgiveness which she extended so beautifully. Amazing woman of God. She had the grace on her to be able to forgive. And when we walked out of the room, I mean, there was a healed marriage when it was all said and done. 
uh, I didn't know till later that uh, the following day was church, and, and, and so he prepared a, a, a paper, and he wrote on the paper some things, and, and, he, and he handed it to his wife in an envelope, and he, she didn't know what it was going to be. She thought maybe, you know, he's, he's done this kind of thing before, and is it going to take, or is, he gonna, is it a note to say, I'm sorry, I can't do this? So he comes to church, and, and, uh, and, and he actually didn't hand it to his wife. I'm sorry, he hung on to it. She knew he had the note. And, and he opens it up, and he starts to read, and he couldn't, get, he couldn't even begin, and he just started weeping. And he, so the pastor, who was an amazing pastor, a very good friend of ours, uh, he, he, um, he, he, he took the note from him, and he says, I'll read it for you. And he got about two or three words out, and he just started weeping. And his wife uh, took the note and she ended up reading it to the congregation. And, and, and it was a beautiful thing of him repenting before the, the congregation. And, and I got to tell you, he's a man of God today, to this day. The thing stuck. It not only changed his life, it, it, it changed the entire family's life. And, and I've stayed in touch with, with some of them over the years, and especially Facebook has been a real help. And, and, and uh, the, the young woman uh, the, the, who, I mean, the, the, one of the, his daughters, she was 15 years old at the time. It, it powerfully impacted her life. And I didn't realize how much it did until uh, not 2020 in April, this pastor got COVID and, and ended up in the hospital and ended up dying. Uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was a heartbreak for so many of us. And, and uh, at his... Um, Memorial. She wrote this, but she also posted it on Facebook. I wasn't at the memorial, and when I read this, I'm going, "Wow!" And um, these are the these are the um, these are the uh, words that she spoke. She said, "The big moment where my dad's heart softened towards Jesus, and where their marriage took." first big leap forward towards restoration was in Paul and Anita's home. That was the pastor and his wife. We hosted a week in a healing workshop with Jerry Pretzel, yada, yada, yada. Some good things. My folks' testimony of God's redemption is seriously amazing. It has massively impacted my view on what God can do with hearts that say yes to him. It would otherwise look like the most hopeless of circumstances. In fact, the Sunday after this weekend of healing, Plumline it was called, my dad wrote a letter to mom and us three kids, repenting, asking us for forgiveness for everything as well as sharing his heart with us, and he wanted it to be read to us in front of the whole church. But because he's my grandma's son, he couldn't read it himself, as he knew he would just cry through it all, so he asked Paul to read it. However, Paul couldn't read it. He got through the first couple of words and also started crying. So Anita snatched that out of Paul's hand and said, oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> she read it herself over the family as we held each other and cried, along with the whole rest of the church, of course. One of those precious, impacting moments of my entire life. As I say, um, there's a life. This young woman is absolutely a powerful force in her world today. A young leader, powerful in every way, filled with the Holy Spirit, absolutely engaging the enemy. And, and I'm telling you, she's an amazing woman of God. I, I've stayed in touch with her, as I say, and I, um, this week I, I uh, was, her, her uh, page popped up on my, on my homepage on, on Facebook, and and she started posting pictures. And, and I've got to be honest with you, I've, I really was having serious questions whether or not to use this story. And, 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 and it, it, I really want to be able to hit the mark when I tell stories. And, and so I, I need, sometimes I really need confirmation. And, and she so started posting pictures about a week and a half ago. And, and she's in Israel. And, uh, and, and so yesterday morning at 5.30, I'm, I'm awake, and, and, and I just happened to hit Facebook, and, and up pops a picture. Would you put that picture up, please? And there she is in Israel. She's in the front there. You can see her kneeling down. Amazing gal. But I want you to look towards the end there on the right-hand side. It's Pastor Lance Danik. Hit the next picture. And there's Pastor Lance taking a picture of MT. 
Now, what are the chances? What are the chances that the woman's story, whose father's story I'm actually going to tell, would be in the same tour group as Pastor Lance, <laughs> who didn't even realize this, because I called him, or I texted him yesterday, and I said, hey, is the group still together? You guys need to know. And, and he goes, no, I'm in, in Rome right now. I didn't know, and I, so I told him the story. He goes, wow. You know. Uh, we're a part of something. I, I, I share that with you to share. God is wanting us to hear this message this morning. Do you, do you, do you see it? Um, there's nothing to compare with the incredible privilege of being able to interrupt a life that's living outside the boundaries of the kingdom of God with the redemptive power of Christ. It is such an amazing privilege. Um, I'm, I'm stalling here in some ways because I, I want to tell the right stories. I, I feel like I'm supposed to tell different stories than I told in the first service. Um, because stories have power. Your story has power. The, 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 I'm not, aside from the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross, the, the work of the Holy Spirit to be able to bring us to perfection, to be able to create us to be like Jesus himself. Every, everything that the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives from the moment we say yes is to be able to create us in the image of Jesus himself. And none of that comes easy. Uh, I have a little saying, there, there's nothing cheap about the kingdom of God. And its wealth does not come easily. I... Um, I feel a tell story, you know, about a time we were directing over YWAM over in, in Idaho. We had a small base over there. And uh, we um, were uh, doing well for a couple of years. We had a decent-sized discipleship training school, and we, we had, our mortgage payment was $25,000 a year. It was a half a million, million dollars for the property, but we had to come up with this mortgage payment every year, and the first year we made the payment and so forth and so on. And, and, and the second year, I, I made the payment again. I was able to do it somehow. I was able to borrow the money and, and again from the bank, and, and, but, but I wasn't able to pay it off at the end of the time. And and yeah, there's other YWAMers on the base, but I'm the leader, and I'm the one that is kind of, my, my name's on the line, and it was a hard thing to go into the bank that day when it was due, and we still owe $12,000. And it was the beginning of storms coming into my life. Um, I, I, it was a struggle. I mean, uh, was different. we had 24 staff at that time, plus their kids, and... And I felt like one day the Lord said to me, I want you to release your staff. I said, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, just give them permission to find out if they're supposed to be somewhere else. Six months later, half of them are gone, including our son and his, uh, you know, daughter-in-law and their, their, their new child. And, and they ended up in the YWAM base here in Montana. I'm going, thanks a lot. <laughs> and... and um, it went on and we had a few staff and things were going on and then, and then it, it just, things got worse. There was things going on among the staff, things I don't even want to talk about. And it got so bad that one night I, I turned to Linda and I said, hey, I got some good news. She goes, I don't see any good news. I said, oh, there's good news. She said, well, what's the good news? I said, it can't get any worse. <laughs> well, see... The next morning, I, we go to the doctor and Linda finds out that that lump in her breast is cancer. And it got worse. Uh, her aunt was dying of cancer and a few months later actually died of cancer. Her mom had the same cancer. And cancer was not a good word in our family. And I, uh, 
uh, you know, she went through the mastectomy and, and, and prayed about it. We prayed about every step. Uh, and, and six months of chemotherapy, and, and it, was, it was just, a, if you've ever been through that, it, it's, a, it's a horrendous thing, especially 30 years ago. And, and uh, we would drive back from Boise, a, a three-hour drive, and halfway back after getting the chemo, she'd fall asleep, and she was weak for the next week and a half and beginning to get a little strength more. And then all of a sudden, she's got another round for six months. And at the end of the time, I had a very weak wife, but at least we hoped they got all the cancer, and that was the thing, right? And, uh, and, and in the meantime, you know, people talk about going through this, and they go, oh, but the presence of God was there. And no, he wasn't for me. He wasn't there. I, I felt nothing. I, I knew he was there, but I, there, there was no feeling at all. Oh God, it'd be good if you'd just give me a little word here. No, nothing. Eleven months after the operation, she felt a lump in her other breast, went to the doctor. He goes, oh, this doesn't sound good. I'm trying to be positive. We're going to beat this and so forth. And I went for a walk. And I could, point, I could go right to Riggins, Idaho right now and point to the place on the road I was walking where I had to do this. I had, Lord, it seems you're taking Linda. And all I got to be able to do is to be able to tell you. And I want you to know it right now. And I said it out loud. You take Linda and I will still serve you. That presence I hadn't felt for close to a year, immediately encompassed me. So like the Lord said, that's all I want. And, uh, and, and, and you, you, Linda's here this morning. <laughs> he didn't take Linda. But a couple of weeks later, I'm just walking on the road. And the Lord interrupts me, and he said those three precious words. Jerry, four precious words. Jerry's precious, you know. Amen. Jerry, I love you. See, the coin dropped. I'd been even teaching on the Father heart of God and the love of God. But you can teach it from here. But somehow it has to work its way and, 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 and when I say that there's nothing cheap about the kingdom of God, and nor does it come easily, I'm going to tell you, whatever statement you say and you're going to take ground, it will be tested. Nothing is cheap about it. There's, there's, there's stages of growth as we grow in Christ. Of course, we come from an absolute selfishness where it's all about me. And then it goes to the place of, well, what's in it for me? And the disciples said, well, we followed you. And Jesus said, yeah, you have a lot of stuff in this lifetime and eternal life after that. Yeah, that's what's in it for me. But see, then there's the next stage, which is trying to be a good person, where it's outward modification and you look good. See, and there's seven stages to this growth. It doesn't, you know, and, and, and but, but in the middle, right in the middle of this is stage four. I want you to think about this. And the word is called discipleship. There, there's words associated with it. It's called Lord. The first, after, after salvation, there's a couple of them that would be defined by Jesus as Savior. But then it goes a little bit further where all of a sudden you find yourself like the disciples on that road where the thousands were following him. And he turns to them and give them, gives them a message and he says, unless you eat my body, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And he says many of his disciples left from that point on. You can imagine what the 12 were thinking. Hey, we've got this great thing going, man. This is happening. I mean, we're, we got the crowds. And then you say this. He said, he went over to the 12 and he said, you're going to leave too? And they, uh, Peter said the famous words, Lord, where are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. See, all of us have to be able to come to a place 
If we're going to be released for the kingdom of God, you've got to engage stage four discipleship. It's where he's Lord. It's where he becomes obedient. We become obedient to him. It's where it's no longer a suggestion, but now he is Lord of everything. See, in that day, that, 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 that stuff I was going through in Idaho was a storm where I just said, I look back on it now, I said, Linda got cancer, but Jerry died. A few, days, a few days after I heard him say, I love you, I'm getting out of the shower, and he says, Jerry, I am proud of you. I'd never heard those words before in my life. Oh, guys. From that day on, insecurity was not a part of Jerry Pretzel because I knew who I was. Because the Father had spoken the same words to me that he had spoken to Jesus as he came out of the water that day. And he heard from heaven, you are my beloved son. And you, I am well pleased. Every one of us needs to hear that. See, the vast majority of the body of Christ in America lives stage three or, or under. We, we, it's, it's like we, we find the right place and we find the right worship and believe me, I love the worship. Oh, gosh, you did an amazing job. Presence. And the right church and all this. And we can, we, we can be with the people that we love to, and I love coming to this church. It's one of, one of the more awake churches around. I love you guys. But see, there's a way you can hide in the middle of that crowd. You can go to every service and you won't change. My life changed that day. It was less than a year, or maybe a year and a half following that, that I was in Alaska and that anointing came. I um, talk about the power of testimony. Dutch Sheets, I, I, I love what he, I love it, give him 15 he does in the mornings. How many of you do that? It's, it's amazing. It, if you don't, just try it. Okay? It, it, you know, it'll pop up. Just, just Google it. Give him 15. And uh, he was sharing recently about the word testimony. And I, that's what I've been giving you this morning, testimony. Why would I be sharing stories? Why did I feel like the Holy Spirit wanted me to share with you testimonies today? This is the reason why. Listen to this. He was talking about the word testimony uh, and, and what it actually means. According to a, Messi a Messianic Jewish rabbi, Hebrews believe that when they share about what God did in the past, listen to this now. It releases the same power into the present. In other words, power is released to do it again. The word doesn't simply mean to convey something from the past. Its true meaning is to repeat an action or do it again. We Hebrews believe, this rabbi said, that when we share about what God in the past, it releases that same power into the present. To do it again. He continued. That's one of the reasons we're so diligent to share with our children the stories of what God did in our Hebraic history. It's not only so they all know their cultural history, it is so that the power of that history can be released to them today. For example, when we tell them about the Passover and the Exodus, we believe God's delivering and saving power that was demonstrated way back then will be released to save and deliver our children from bondages they may have today. The rabbi went on to tell me he and his congregation have been experiencing healings from simply sending other believers to sick individuals and having them recount healings they had received in the past when they testified of their healings, power was released to do it again. A number of reasons why I'm doing this today. I believe there's way too many stories that are still locked I know the feeling. 
of, of, of having my story released. I know the feeling of watching that power touch lives. I believe he's having me share that with you today because there's some of you today that are sitting in unbelief saying, not my life. I have nothing there. And that just guarantees you've been sold a bill of goods from the enemy himself. And to the extent that you find yourself afraid to open up your life or thinking your life has nothing to offer is the extent that that life has power and it needs to be released. Please hear me. There's nothing cheap about what Christ did for you. But as soon, I'm telling you, as you approach level four and you say, Jesus is Lord, you will be tested. But when you come through the test, like Peter said, Jesus said to Peter, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you and you will come through. And you will come through. You will be sifted. You know, I was teaching in the YWAM DTS. I'll be doing that another couple weeks. Last fall. And I, and, I, and I talked something like this, and I talked about, okay, some of you, I, how many of you have, have actually had this time in your life when you can look back and you go, yep, I collided with Jesus, and he won, and he's Lord. How many? And a few of them stood. I said, how many of you, and I, 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 how many of you would like to do that today? I, just a few stood, and I was amazed. I was amazed. I, I, can't, I can't say it any clearer for you. I didn't say that to them. <laughs> but then it hit me about the stages of understanding. They didn't have the ears to hear because the rules when it comes to the stages is this. You can only hear stage three if you're in stage two. Because if you're in level one, you don't hear stage three. And you can only hear stage four, discipleship, if you're in stage three. You don't have the ears to hear. And this is an absolute principle. And I'm talking to you this morning. It's time where God is wanting to bring revival to our land. And he's going to use us. There's a lot of reasons why we can find ourselves not there, knowing that we're not released. Uh, Dutch, again, uh, in the last month, talked about the Spirit of God hovering over the waters at creation. And then the Spirit of God, again, coming and hovering over Abraham and Sarah, who were sterile, and him 100 years old. (laughs) Because in that hovering, the Holy Spirit, the, the word has a, 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 like a brooding. It's a, it's, a, it's a multiplication thing. It's a, it's a literally, it, it, well, I should even talk about I guess I need to go back to the beginning because this message is so different from the beginning. It's not even funny. Um. Literally means to brood over. The word is rakaf, a reproductive term. That's the word I was searching for. In other words, when, when I heard this, I'm going, that's what happened to me in Alaska. Is the Holy Spirit was hovering over me and all of a sudden multiplication. Everything changed. Abraham, sterile. All of a sudden, the guy can't stop having kids. Sarah dies, he's 110 years old, and read it yourself. Guy keeps fathering kids. It's the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon somebody to bring multiplication. And we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you like he did on the disciples at Pentecost, which caused Peter to become a cow from a coward to all of a sudden he's bold, which is a sign of the Holy Spirit. See, some of you need to get your voice back. Some of you have already experienced some of this, but you need to get your voice back. The enemy has stolen your voice. Let me give you an example. School in California. A young girl, 18 years old, she came forward. 
And uh, she opened up her story and her life, and, and, and she was very quiet, very quiet. And she opened it up. She talked about her father, who was very harsh, and it shattered her down, and it was an ugly thing. Women pay a big price. Let's just face it. Oh, <laughs> women pay a big price. But we prayed for her. She forgave her father. It was a beautiful thing. And as she went to sit down, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to call her back up. I did. I said, would you, would you come back up here? She said, what? I said, when you, when you were on your way home, back down, the Lord spoke to me and said, the enemy has stolen your voice away. And he wants, God wants to give it back to you. Are you ready for this? And she goes, yeah, yeah, yes, you know. I said, okay, have you ever seen the movie Braveheart? She said, yes. I said, what was the last word in Braveheart? Freedom! You know, the guy's being stretched out and, you know, William Moore. True story. I said, I want you to stand in front of this class and as act of faith, I want you to scream it out as loud as you can and speak it out. Are you ready for that? She is, yeah. Class, you into it? Yeah, I'm into it. Yep, okay. And she goes, freedom. <laughs> the class claps politely. I said, what are you clapping for? I said, you know better than that. I said, okay, now, you're not going to sit down until you do it right. You know, and she's, okay, you know. And she says, okay. I said, I want you to really blow it out. Okay, so she goes, Freedom! A little louder. Class didn't clap. I said, here's the story. You're lost in the wilderness. And your only way out is through your voice. And you're going to get it as loud as you can for somebody to be able to hear you. I said, I want it to come from here. And when she bellowed it out, and I don't want to ruin the sound system. When she got that word freedom out, she collapsed on the floor. And she was delivered. I've done a bit of deliverance. It was one of the most powerful deliverances I have seen. And she became a different person. She got her voice back. I wonder how many of you have had your voice stolen away from you. We're living in times when the church needs to have a voice. The church was called to be an influence on society and a huge portion of the church has shut up. I didn't say that in the first service, but it's true. And we need to get our voice back. Yes. You need to get your voice back. I got mine back. I'm going to share a stupid story with you. 9-11-01, we all know the story. The planes went down and so forth and crashed and but there was one plane that went down over Philadelphia. Remember that? And there was a guy in the back of that plane. <laughs> I have a hard time getting it out. His name was Todd Beamer. Everybody remember the story? He was in the back of that plane, and he knew they had already been taken over, and he all somehow gets his phone engaged to an operator, and he starts talking to the operator, telling him what's going on and that they'd just been hijacked, and, and, just, and that there's dead uh, flight attendants on this flight, and it looks like they want to crash the plane. And he, and he has this, this time with the operator, and, and then at the end of the time, she prays for him, and he says, okay, what we're going to do, we're going to engage these guys. We're going to, just a group of us are going to go up, and we are going to engage these guys. Would you pray for me? And she, they together prayed the Our Father, the, the, the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, and, then, and then he, let, he laid down the phone, and his last words that she heard him say were, let's roll. We know what happened to the plane. It went down. I was doing a lot of traveling in that day. Back and forth, I was back and forth to, to the East Coast. And I was actually on the first plane out of Kalispell to Newark Airport after 9-11. From here to Seattle to Newark. And, and all of us, as we were landing, we're looking right over to the ruins that were still smoldering from 9-11. And, uh, and there's something that hit me when I heard that story about Todd, that I'm going, you know what? I'm a coward. If that were to happen to me on a plane, I know I'd be a coward. I couldn't be like that. I would just sit there and I'd be passive. I'd comply. And... Uh, 
I was sharing this a few months later, you know, if you, if you got a thing going in your life, it's good to get it out. And so I was sharing with a, at a YWAM base in California, and I was sharing the, at an open meeting, and I, I was sharing this thing, and I said, you know what, I, guys, I, I just don't believe, I, I, I believe I would just sit in that, and every time I get in a plane, I just go, yeah, I would fold. I would never have the courage. And there was a woman who was leading the schools there. She was from Kona, Hawaii, and we worked together in a few schools over in Kona and here. And she stood up in the middle of the meeting. She interrupted me. And she says, Jerry, I don't believe that's true. Because I know you. And I have seen you interact. And I've seen you confront. And I know that's not you. And as a matter of fact, I believe you have the heart of David in you. I said, well, thank you very much. But I, <laughs> I think I know me better than you do. And it, it, it kind of interacted with, the, I mean, the, the group actually got into it, and I mean, it led to a wonderful move. They prayed for me, I prayed for them, etc. It was beautiful. The following summer, I'm, um, we had some friends visit us from Iowa. We lived down in Polson at the time, and had a big lawn, and I was mowing my lawn. And, uh, and, and, and I, you know, I'm riding this old lawn mower, and all of a sudden I get a tap on my shoulder, and it's a, a friend of mine. Uh, you know, our friend from Iowa, and he, and he points, and, and in the bushes right off the lawn was a big bear, huge bear. And it had, now listen to me, one of our fawns. <laughs> I mean, that, that little, the deer would lay, you know, lay, would, 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 would have their young in, in this thicket in front of our house, and we'd call them our deer, our fawns, you know. And this bear had our fawn, in his mouth, and I hear this, ee, ee. I stopped the mower, and I ran after the bear. <laughs> now, mothers, if your kids are listening, don't do this. This is something that only happens when the Spirit of God is on you, and I mean that honestly. And, and, and the bear looks at me. I mean, we're not any further than, than here to the, you know, over there. And I'm running after this bear. I'm, I, he's got our fawn. Stupid. You know, and then the bear takes the fawn and runs away from me, crosses our driveway, and I'm not exaggerating. I was across the driveway. I picked up three nice smooth stumps. <laughs> I used to play baseball. The bear dropped, uh, stopped with the fawn uh, a few yards away, and I took a stone and I heaved it at the bear, and it thunk. And the bear stood up and looks at me. I can joke at this point, you know, who is this uncircumcised? <laughs> and Linda is on the, on the balcony of our house going, Jerry, what are you doing? You know? And, and as soon as the bear stood up, I hit him with another stone, and it dropped the fawn and ran into the bushes. And I went over this, my neighbor comes over with a 357. He says, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> uh, we had to give the fawn, uh, we, he shot the, the, the fawn, put it out of its misery because it was totally torn apart. But as I was walking away, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, see? See what I've done in you. This is what we need for today. You can say, my life is a train wreck beyond redemption. I want to tell you something. God specializes in train wrecks. A woman over in Salem, his marriage was falling apart. They'd been married and divorced twice already. And we were counseling and so forth. And, and, and I ran into her at the supermarket and, and she said to me, she said, well, I said, well, how's it going? She says, no good, no good. She says, and she just, I said, oh, it was a hopeless case. So, yeah, I mean, I, and, I, and I was kind of in a hurry and I, and I said, and my parting words were, I said, well, I want you to know, you know, you're in the perfect place for God to do something because he creates his best out of nothing. A year later, I saw her and she said, that was the word of the Lord. I've looked in the Bible. That is the theme throughout the entire word of God. God does not build on anything but zero. What a beautiful word. I don't know how these words are connecting with you today. See, after discipleship, 
there's three more stages and it has to do with intense suffering. There's a point to where your life just falls apart. The pieces that worked in discipleship and if you do this and you do this and you do this and you read the word of God and you pray and you intercede and you do all this, bingo, God shows up. And there comes a time where it all falls apart and the pieces don't fit together and all of a sudden, you find yourself feeling totally alone. And some of you are there this morning and that's the reason I'm telling this here and I didn't have it this morning. Some of you, your lives have totally fallen apart and God is saying to you, you haven't missed a thing. That he's bringing you, he trusts you. He trusts you with this type of suffering. And then stage six is where you start seeing the value of suffering. See? And you're willing to suffer for the many. In stage seven, you're willing to suffer for the least. See, we don't have to, most of us, most of us don't have to worry about stages six, seven, eight, five, six, seven. Uh, where are you this morning? Where are you this morning? the power of testimony. Some of you need to see your stories redeemed. Some of you, God is saying, it's time. This is no new message for you, but this is the day. We go, Jesus is Lord. I remember the day it happened to me and I spoke it out and then I was tested. Some of you are at the beginning. You may have just come to church for the first time and you say, yeah, I'm the train wreck. I gotta tell you, we have an amazing redeemer that is, he specializes in creating masterpieces with a blank canvas. You've got nothing to offer other than your brokenness and your willingness to be able to say, I need a redeemer. I don't know where you're at this morning. I, 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 I gave up judging people a long time ago. I, I, I'm lousy at it. But I got to tell you, I think I've learned a few things along the way and worked with thousands of people and a lot of it at close range. And I believe God's asking you to take the next step. What is that step? Some of you, some of you need to, to, Get alone with your spouse and you say, will you forgive me? So there, just as soon as I spoke that, in my mind comes, comes the picture of a, of, 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 a, of a spouse that just goes, no, it's over. I can't do this anymore. The Lord's saying, trust me. Don't be stupid, but trust me. Forgive. What you do in forgiveness is you're releasing the kingdom of God into your family, into your situation. And, the, and it actually can open up the eyes for that person to see. For some of you, it's family members. For my age group, it's grandkids. <laughs> oh, they know better. They stink and know better. <laughs> but I believe that as we share our testimonies, we're going to release power into them to do it again. Those of you that can relate to any of this, uh, and, and, and the Lord is speaking to you, would you, would you just stand? There should be a lot of people standing right now. Good grief, most of you. This does not surprise me. This does not surprise me. <sighs> Just gave me permission to keep on going. <laughs> um, guys, if we don't see a revival, an awakening, like I said, <sighs> our kids and our grandkids are going to pay a price. They will never know the America that we grew up in. And I'm willing to live, like I said, I'm willing to live in a communist America. But I don't want to. I've worked in the communist world. I know what it is. See, but if that's the way that Jesus can 
motivate us to change. What's going on in Ukraine right now? I mean, people are all of a sudden looking to God. If that's what it's going to take for us, then God, I say, bring it. But we have a merciful God. And it's time for us to come alive. It's time for us to come alive. There's going to be prayer stations here up in front. People that want to be prayed for, especially if you've just given your life to Christ for the first time. Or you're, you're, you're coming back and you're going, yes, this is real this time. Uh, I want you to tell somebody. If you're at the point to where you're going, yeah, I have looked at discipleship. I've looked at Lord. I am in Savior, but I want him to be Lord. And you're really ready to make that bold step. I don't want you to get out of these doors until you speak it out to somebody else and let them go, Amen. So many people have prophesied over this valley that God's going to bring a revival into this valley. And he spoke it to me more than once. I meet with a group of pastors, including Pastor Lance, about once a month, and we're all praying for the revival in this valley that God would do what Bill Johnson calls bring an open heaven to where that layer is broken and all of a sudden God just rains down. But it's going to take all of us. You're going, I work in the workplace and you don't know what I do. I don't have anything. Oh, yes, you do. That is your dominion. And you have authority in that place just to be able to be there, number one, but to be able to listen and to be able to believe and to pray and to intercede and to be able to say, God, what do you want this place to look like? And thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I pray over this congregation in the name of Jesus. Hmm. Oh, how I love this group of people. But I'm sure it feels hatred in comparison to the love that you have for them. I pray blessing. Holy Spirit, I prayed more than once that you would just come like a fog into this church. And will you change us? Will you give courage to those that need to do the hard things? Would you open up mouths? Would you get, release the voices that need to be released? Would you bring a spirit of repentance? I love what Winky Prattney says, revival is God's finger pointed at me. Lord, don't remove your finger. Changes. We can't do this alone. It's the work of your Holy Spirit. Move, please. In this church, in this city, in this valley, in our nation, and around the world, We look forward to this next season. In Jesus' name, amen.